Welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 119, How to Train Your Brain to Stick to Your Diet with special guest Lauren Conlin. This is her second time here on the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we are continuing here a conversation that we started a couple of months ago when she came on the show and talked with us about transitioning from tracking macros to intuitive eating. And that turned into a much bigger conversation that we knew we needed to have her back for. So get ready. It's an awesome conversation. We go deep. So get ready for a good one. Now we don't interrupt this show midway with sponsored ads or asking you for ratings and reviews in the middle. So while you're just getting settled, we ask that you just take two seconds here to support our show by giving it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Ratings and reviews allow us to bring more knowledgeable and influential people onto the show for you to learn everything possible about science and sustainability with respect to your goals. Now, if you liked this episode in particular, screenshot it and tag us on Instagram to show your support. One share could be the catalyst for someone in your life to transform their body, their health, and their fitness for good. And of course, it helps our show grow too, and we appreciate that. So thanks again for listening. We don't take your attention for granted, so let's get right into it. Episode number 119 with special guest Lauren Conlin on how to train your brain to stick to your diet. and welcome back to another episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we have part two. We have a special guest coming back on to chat about all the things that we didn't chat about on the first episode. <laughs> we have Lauren Conlon back again. It's good to have you. Thank you guys so much for part two. I feel like that always happens, right? Where it's like the first one will start. We're like, let's talk about this. And then we do talk about that, but then there's so many things left. So I'm excited to continue this conversation. Uh, and thank you guys again for having me on. Absolutely. Um, and these are like my favorite kinds of conversations. Uh, I feel like Christine and I joke that we always uh, start off an episode being like, we're going to give you tactical takeaways today. And then we end up just talking about like philosophy of like nutrition and mindset <laughs> for the whole thing. And we're like, oh, shoot, we're doing it again. But I think it's what like people love about the podcast. <laughs> and to be fair, I'll just counter that. I think that that is important, right? I think that that is where people are able to actually make more changes. Like they think that the tactical guide is what's important. Right. Um, but how often do we know that working with clients, it's not just about, Hey, do this. Like that might get somewhere from like, that might get someone from like their very first starting point to like a good understanding when you're really trying to like embody this as an individual, you are the one who is going to have to take different pieces of information and then synthesize that yourself. So even like with clients, right. It's never just like, obviously sometimes it's like, Hey, do this don't do that. <laughs> but other times it's more about like posing a question and really getting them to understand that and then them coming up with things. So I think that sometimes, yes, people want that, but also these are the kinds of conversations that I think spark more long-term change in my personal opinion. So you guys are doing great stuff. All that to say, oh, yeah, <laughs> keep We're going, going in deep. <laughs> We're going in deep from the first, the first line. I love it. <laughs> a minute um, in. <laughs> but like you said, it's always about 
for us, I know it's always about not just telling people what to do, but teaching them how to think, because if you can do that, then you equip someone for the rest of their life. Um, and a lot of that is done through questions, which just segues us so perfectly into everything we meant to follow up on. Um, so I'm going to just take one step back and give us a little background for those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast this week and you're like, part two of what? So the first episode was uh, when we interviewed Lauren, man, it was like a couple months ago, I guess. Uh, but we were talking about macros versus intuitive eating. And it started out that way. <laughs> then we got to this. But basically, we contrasted, okay, like, when is the right time to be tracking macros? In what context? Uh, intuitive eating? How do you make the transition from, okay, you've tracked macros for a while? How do you transition into intuitive eating in a way that is sustainable? What are the common pitfalls of all of that? Um, and it just kind of expanded, as I just said, into a more meta level conversation of, okay, you know, what what mindset do we really need to have to equip ourselves with uh, proper nutrition for the long haul? Um, and that's how people get themselves into those pitfalls. And we kind of just talked about circumventing those. And so basically I was listening to the back half of the audio of our podcast yesterday. Cause I was like, all right, let me refresh. Like what, what are we doing this part two on again? Like what, what all did we leave unfinished? And I think we just got into the bigger conversation of like behavior change and why it's so difficult and how people often ignore uh, the component of mindfulness and really thinking through and critical thinking and asking themselves questions when it comes to the long haul of making this lifestyle last, making intuitive eating last um, and being able to just live this lifestyle for the long haul. Um, and so I guess, you know, you kind of transitioned us into it perfectly, Lauren, but, um, I guess, you know, we can start with that. Like what, what questions do people need to be asking themselves to, um, better think about nutrition in a well-rounded way? So I think that first, a lot of times people are only thinking about the short term, and as coaches, we have to meet clients where they're at, right? So even though we might have this optimal, perfect timeline and perfect plan, that often isn't reality, right? And what we don't want happening is clients saying, like, you know, if somebody like a hypothetical conversation and the client's like, hey, I have this fat loss goal and I want to do X, Y, Z. And as a coach, you're like, maybe you're not quite ready, this and that. But if you're like, hey, let's like take six months or a year to like build this base, they're going to go, okay. And then they're going to go hire the person who's going to put them on this ridiculous diet, right? So part of conceptualizing all of this is understanding, okay, maybe while I say we need to focus on long-term stuff, we also have to recognize as coaches that, okay, sometimes we have to meet clients, maybe like where they're at. But I really want to challenge people listening to think, okay, I have these short-term goals, but what is this going to look like? Not just in this next eight, 12, 16 weeks, but what's going to happen afterwards. And I'm all about having short-term goals. Short-term goals are how we're going to be able to move forward on those really hard days. But we also need to make sure that that's conceptualized in a larger picture of what is this doing for my life? Because I don't want to continue someone's yo-yo dieting cycle on my watch. Now, not saying that somebody isn't going to go through periods where we diet and then we reverse and then there might be some weight gain. It's very different than 
you know, the typical yo-yo experience. And also just what happens like that cycle is so tough because um, I was just teaching a call about this last night. So obviously we all know about the metabolic adaptations that are happening with dieting and then how you're basically set up to regain preferentially fat afterwards. So people, what most people are doing is they're dieting, they're gaining body fat back. So their weight is up, but they're not restored with their fat-free mass, their hormones not restored, their hunger is not restored. And then they diet again. And then they keep going through the cycle. And then they're like, wait, why am I in a worse spot? Why do I have more body fat and look worse after I've dieted for a few times? And I think that unfortunately, social media has really hijacked this. Obviously like old media maybe wasn't the best either, but social media has really hijacked this with the idea of like, challenges and the quick fixes and not to say that those are bad i'm not against those but i think that they need to be kind of understood in a bigger picture because when people are saying things like lose 10 pounds in 10 days or always join this next thing that can be a really big issue so number one goal is getting people to think a little bit more long term but of course no one is going to think as long term about their goals as we are. <laughs> so we maybe can't think it's not as long as maybe that we would like, but it's a little bit longer than they would want to conceptualize right away. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause I always, I always think of it as like, all right, well, like if I, if I want to help someone, the worst thing I can do is scare them away with the real, the realness of like what this is going to take. Cause then they won't even start in the first place. Right. Cause that, that is so overwhelming to even hear from someone who maybe comes from a background of only knowing 30 day quick fixes or five day reset challenges or whatever it might be. Um, and you hear something like two years and you're like, wait, what? Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't, it's so unbelievable to that person at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, really a matter of like being able to play the game and speak someone's language um, and making sure that we're kind of like gradually bringing them the epiphanies uh, that allow them to think long-term. So I'm curious what, you know, what questions would you pose to someone uh, when Mm -hmm. you're trying to elicit that? So generally speaking, when say this is like a new client, right? And most people are going to come and say, Hey, these are my short-term goals. And for a lot of people, obviously their short-term goal is fat loss of some kind. And, um, whether that is a competition or it's for an event, or it's just a a number that they've deemed that they, they share with you. Um, so really we want to get behind, like, what is the motivating factor, especially this is especially true when someone talks about wanting to do a competition, but it may be either their first one or, they're just kind of more of a novice competitor in general. And again, I'm not against people competing. I love com- I love competing. I love coaching competitors. Um, but if we're doing this for a fat loss goal, I'm going to want to steer people away from that. Um, or at least again, in the short term. So for it's it's really understanding, okay, what is the motivating factor behind this? Oh, well, you know, I wanted to lose some weight and my friend is doing the show in 12 weeks. So I thought it'd be cool not a reason we're going to do prep, right? Like this is absolutely not going to happen. But in order to understand that, we would have to ask those questions. So it's really, I would say, first and foremost, getting behind the motivating factor as to why someone wants to make this change. And then once we have a deeper understanding of that, then we're going to be able to say, okay, now we can put together a timeline that looks, that works for maybe both of us. And, um, I'm generally pretty on it. Like I'm, I'm honest with people about like, Hey, this is going to take a significant amount of time, but 
here's how we're going to break it down into chunks, right? Like you said, not making it so scary and overwhelming because to us, we could say, all right, in about two years, like your life is literally going to look completely different, like physically, mentally, emotionally, how you train, what you look like, like all of these things can completely change. But to somebody who's used to 30 day this or whatever reset type stuff, that is so far away. Um, so I think that it's about restructuring how, how clients look at that. And really it's getting down to that motivating factor. First of all, like that's the first thing that we're going to be doing. Um, and then ultimately as a coach, you are guiding people, but you can't make that decision for them. So just right recently in the past few weeks, I had a client going through a lot of life changes, a lot of things that are, um, very different. I'm not just going to leave it at that, but it was like, Hey, I have these really big goals that I want to hit. And I was like, all right. If we're realistic about this, this, and this, I support it, but we have to put into priority this hierarchy of these needs. And if these needs are not met, <laughs> I don't care what this other goal is. You know what I mean? Like this is much more important for your life and your family. So she was like, oh, and this is somebody who I can very much talk openly with because I've worked with her for like three years. She was like, this is exactly why I have you, especially in this new life circumstance, because like, I would just say like, I want to do this. So let me go for it. Right. Um, but it's about breaking that down for the client. And again, I'm like, I'll support you, but here's all the realities that we have to weigh out. So I think it's also about getting behind the motivating factors and also just laying out that kind of reality for people. And we're never going to be able to know exactly how things are going to play out, of course, but we've seen enough with clients to be like, the general trend would be this, or this is what's most likely going to happen. And then the client will make the decision from there. Yeah. It's really hard because especially as coaches, it's such a personal relationship, right? And we really want to make everybody happy. Um, and it's like, it's like this, this like crushing feeling almost when like, you can't help that one particular person reach their goals. But at the end of the day, for any coach listening, like you have to be the one who's making the, like, you are not the one making the final call. You're not the one going through with all this. You can, you're the guide, you know, you're the detached observer, you know, you are the coach, but ultimately your client is going to make that decision. Um, and it's really hard sometimes when people, when you're in that position, but that's, you know, you have to look at it that way. Mm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely relate to that because there's, there's always a case here and there where someone is not truly ready for a true change. Like they're, they're just wanting to repeat the cycle that they've been in. Um, and they're just comfortable in that cycle and they don't actually want to have a pattern interrupt there. Um, but you know, I think that that's really interesting. And I guess I'm curious what you've seen in practice and maybe I'm sure, I'm sure it will probably line up with some trends that we've seen as well. Um, but like in terms of what, what constitutes someone's readiness for change, like, um, when it comes to creating true lasting behavior, lifestyle change, like what commonalities have you seen in the people that are ready to make those changes versus the ones that are just kind of comfortable running through their own hamster wheel. It's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like it's, it's so interesting how things come up in patterns, you know, like it'll be like something that I thought about and then something that I saw with a few clients and then I read about it. And then I, you know, there's a podcast and we talk about like, there's always like these like themes of like, common. Yeah. it's so interesting how things happen like that. Um, but I've been thinking about this a lot because even with my own self, you know, there are certain things that like, we all know we've all gone through changes where it's like, unless I was, until I was ready to do this, it didn't matter who told me, 
what course I bought, what book I read, what fucking shit. It didn't matter. It didn't matter until I was ready to make that change. And this is going to sound a little harsh, but ultimately I think when it comes down to change, like true, true change, what we're talking about with lifestyle, habits, physique, food, all that, someone has had to go through a few bad cycles of it. I really feel until they're ready to actually make that change. Um, at least in my experience and not always, I'm not saying that always. So don't like everybody yeah. listening, don't get upset. But what I'm saying is in general, when the people come to me and they're like, listen, I've been doing this for the past five years, 10 years, 15 years, and I haven't had any success. And I've tried every diet and I've tried every coach. Like I'm finally ready to make these, changes. like it's usually in like the words that they use and just kind of like how they say things. Um, and I find that, and this is what we see often with people who are able to actually practice flexible restraint around food and moderate themselves is there's a lot less impulsivity. And I find that when clients are less impulsive in their language, that generally speaking, they're ready to make a change. Because if somebody's like, mm. I'm ready to sign up, I'm ready, I'm ready to do this. Can I do this? Can I, oh, well, this happened this week. Can we change it? The person who's actually ready to make change is a lot more stable and they recognize that these ups and downs are normal patterns. Um, and I'm not saying that the people who are you can't make change if you're feeling that way. Of course not. You know what I mean? Um, and it also doesn't mean that if you are very regulated and very moderated, that you're not going to have these hard weeks or these impulsive weeks or, you know, these upset weeks, they, they all happen to every single one of us. But generally speaking, the two trends that I see are where people are able to regulate themselves and their emotions and be less impulsive with their choices. And also when they've gone through, unfortunately, a few bad scenarios, as it deals with, you know, nutrition and training and maybe some bad coaching practices and, and the like, that is when someone is ready to make that change. Really when they're just fed up with what they've been doing and how they've been feeling. And like, we all know, like you can lead a horse to water, right? Like that, like that old saying, like really, really rings true. And this goes for anything in life, like nutrition, training, mindset, spirituality, relationships, like literally anything until you are ready to make that change. Nobody can do that for you. We can guide you, but you have to be ready for it. Um, and that's why I think conversations like this and putting out information like this is so important. Cause even if it's still at the subconscious level, we are hearing things like this. And then it's like, Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe that's not for me. And then maybe in a few months, someone's like, you know what? What's the podcast I listened to? What, was, what did they talk about that? Let me go revisit that. I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life with different things where I maybe heard something. I'm like, just write it off, right? Like, I don't need that. Or that wasn't really important. Or what's this person talking about? And then you revisit it and you're like, actually, this is very pertinent in my life. And I wasn't ready to hear it at that time. Mm, absolutely. I like when you're, you're talking about patterns, because I feel like I've seen the exact same thing recently, where it's like the, I've had clients that have started with me, and we didn't have the best experience. And then they've come back and said, Hey, I'm in a much different headspace now. They're kind of like, I know I fought you a little bit in the beginning and I feel like I've taken some time and I'm ready. And it's the same thing that you're talking about. It's like the hot and cold, the up and down every week. You're like, what is going to happen in this check-in? And it's mm -hmm. just night and day difference. Like this, it's just like, cool. What do you want me to do? Like, I'll do mm -hmm. it. And, and I think the the big thing that I'm the or theme, I guess, is kind of like that, that personal responsibility where it's not so much like, oh, well, this coach or this program, it's this, it's kind of like they come to you and like, I'm ready for this, or I realize that I was not in this space for this. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, what I feel like is the people who are maybe more impulsive and are not regulated in that sense, they are the ones who are falling prey to these what we'll call quick fixes, right? Or these programs or these challenges or these fast results, because that is feeding into that chaos and that addiction of that those types of feelings. And that is so challenging. Um, and that really is this like strong bond that you feel to the highs and the lows. And a lot of people don't want to admit that they also chase lows. Like most people are like, no, I just chase high. Like, why would I want to feel bad? you really reflect on your behaviors, a lot of times you are creating these low situations so that you can feel that emotion. So then you can also be catapulted back into a high. And when you're chasing that roller coaster of emotion, you are never going to be able to make consistent progress. I don't care. I mean, you might have the best genetics in the world, so maybe a few people can get away with it, but the majority of people are not going to be able to, coupled with a long dieting history, which most people have. Again, most the typical client that we're getting is not going to be somebody who's like, I've never had an eating issue before. And I've always fueled myself properly. And I have perfect resistance training form. And all like, that's just not the general, it's not the general client, you know, um, most of us have had messed up issues, you know, myself included, like, so it's not something that it's just more and more common that that clients are going to have these compounded adaptations, physiological and psychological. Yeah, well, it's, I heard someone say this recently. It's like no one finds fitness because life is going super well. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you find fitness because like something's effed up, right? Um, but yeah, there's like a, it's interesting that you say like, that's something I've been thinking about a lot where um, those who chase the highs and the lows, they're creating the lows to experience the highs. And it's actually something that, um, one of my friends, we had her on our podcast. She, she said this, she was talking about, you know, you, you kind of have to learn how to set a goal. That's not weight loss oriented, because if you, if you don't learn how to do that, you're, you're just going to create weight to lose again. Once you've lost Mm -hmm. it, like you're just going to lose the weight. And if you don't know how to set any other goal, you're just going to gain weight back so you can lose it again. And you're going to stay in that cycle. And it's the same kind of principle of creating the lows to feel the highs. I think that's interesting, but there's like, um, there's like a level of self-awareness in those who don't have that impulsivity in their language and have kind of seen themselves go through the cycle for so long and they're frustrated with it versus those who tend to chase that cycle. But what I've also found is that there are people who have been chasing that cycle and you know, for decades and they still show no sign of fatigue from it. And they're still on that, on that hamster wheel. So I guess like, what would you identify as the difference between, you know, the person who's impulsive and running on that hamster wheel and has become fed up with that enough and decides to make a change? Like what's the defining factor there? To be honest, I, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for that. Yeah. Right. And so um, may, like, I wish I had a better answer because then we could definitely package that up and share that yeah. soundbite everywhere in the world. But I <laughs> <laughs> buy our course for this three second clip. Uh, but really, I wish I had a better, more articulate answer here. I would just say that, again, it comes back to are people ready to make that change because they are fed up with whatever. You know, we have a team therapist and we talk a lot about, you know, we have several mental health podcasts a month. Um, and, you know, he talks about even the same thing with therapy, right? Like 
you can go into, and I'm paraphrasing his words, this is not directly from him, but you can go to therapy to basically hear yourself talk and you can relive a lot of things. And that's kind of the initial part of therapy, right? Like getting out the story, sharing everything. Why am I here? And then he's like, a lot of people are interested in that. But then when it comes down to like, how are we actually going to change things? A lot of people will either switch therapists or stop going altogether. Right. And it's kind of the same thing in this part, like, oh, okay, I'm chasing that. Like, it feels good to share that story and to kind of feel validated, so to speak. Right. And to be like, this was my experience and this, but then it's like, okay, but now we have to, how are we going to change your behaviors? How are we going to change your intentions? How are we going to change your mindset? And then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I have to do that. So the same thing comes to this, right. Where I think a lot of people think that they want something, but then their actions, of course, are not aligning with, with what they say that they want to do. And ultimately, only that person can decide that. So what I would say is, as a coach, if you're in this position, um, you know, the best that you can do is to continue to send out these positive messages and say, like, hey, like, here, you know, this is where we should be going. This is where I think things should be happening. Um, and really trying to be that positive force in that person's life in that change, right? And again, you can only guide it. You can't do it. Um, and that's really hard for people who are coaches because we're generally really empathetic and we want everybody to make these changes and to have all this, make this difference in their lives. Um, but I would say that, you know, ultimately it is up to them. Um, but what I always try to think of is, okay, even if this isn't the perfect plan, right? This is probably still better than what somebody would be doing on their own. They could be doing a lot more deleterious stuff on their own that I really would like, or with another coach. Um, obviously if things get pathological to a certain degree, like I'm not going to be able to work with someone. Um, and there have been times in my career where that has happened. Um, but generally speaking, it's like, all right, like if you continue to share these messages, like, even though you don't feel like it's getting through a lot of times it might be, even if it's a small step forward, it's still a small step. And then ultimately that person may just kind of fade away. Or maybe, yeah. you know, um, like you said, Christina, they come back when they're ready. I've had that many times. Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. I signed up for a few weeks or, you know, a month and I checked in once and then I kind of ghosted you, but now I'm ready. Or, or a client that you've worked with that's been great. Who's like, you know what? I'm really going through some shit. I need to focus on this. And then they come back and they're like, I'm ready. Right. So there's just, there's all different kind of iterations of it. But what I just try to think of is let's try to be the most positive force that we can be and guide them in the positive direction. And then hopefully that will be enough to help with that change that that person has to intrinsically do themselves. And obviously now this is not just about this. This is the more, this isn't like just the beginner type client, right? Like if a beginner client, like obviously we're, we're really trying to get down to the nitty gritty of like, what are the basics here? You know what I mean? But this is like afterwards when someone um, has an understanding and the fundamental understanding of like what, what to do. Um, this is generally when these things kind of get uncovered. I find um, either they're reaching out to you because they're in this place, or as you've worked with someone from kind of more beginner to that intermediate advanced level, then these things start to unravel a little bit. Yeah. I know that wasn't really an answer and I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I would, I would hate to not, I would hate to give a false answer. So I really don't have one um, yeah. for that. No, I, I figured, I figured <laughs> it's a question. I'm like, I don't think that there's an answer to this, but I, I feel like at least like providing some context around like how we might come to that conclusion for an individual is important. So like perfectly kind of what I, what I hoped to get out of that. Um <laughs> 
unless you had like, you know, dove deep into it in like psychology and everything and, and neuroscience. Not yet, not yet, (laughs) not yet, but maybe that'll be my, that'll be the next podcast, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, No, I'm, I'm infinitely curious about this stuff. And because like I said, it's, it's really become obvious in my own personal life. Right. Um, As well as in my clients' lives who have really made this change that this is really the crux of everything. Um, And it also goes back to identity. Like how do we view ourselves around change? Like that is not talked about enough. I just interviewed my friend Casey Joe for our podcast about this. And um, we were talking about this and it's like behavior change is one thing, but like having a growth mindset is really great, but like you can still do all those things. But if you don't identify as a person who is capable of doing that or is worthy of doing that, you're going to find yourself in those same cycles. And this is pretty well known in other areas of psychology or other areas from a psychological basis. Like when, you know, let's say people are dating abusive narcissists and they have this pattern and it's like, oh my gosh, how could someone do that? And this, it's pretty well validated. Like, you know, you're searching out these patterns and these types of people because of your worth and all these different things. And it's like, but nobody's really talking about this quite yet in our space, but I have seen this over and over again. And I can tell you guys are shaking your head. Like you have too. like when someone doesn't see themselves as a person who is capable of doing these things or capable of doing this for a long period of time, then we're not really able to make the change. And again, this is not something that you have to be like, this week, I really need you to work on your, like, this is, thing, these are things that happen over time and they happen over time by, Hey, let's set this goal. Let's achieve this. Let's build this confidence and your competence in this area. And now you slowly begin to develop this identity. Uh, but I do think that it's this overarching theme. That's kind of like an undercurrent of coaching and our clients who are successful and kind of break out of the said matrix of like the yo-yo dieting world, but it is not discussed enough. And I, I've been formulating this, it, you know, and processing it, but I need to package it better and maybe, I guess, you know, look more into some of this research, but I do not really see this talked about in our space quite enough, but I, I see it to be very important. I think the the other aspect that you, you have, like, I'm just thinking about all these different things and all these different examples, but I think the other thing too, it's hard for us as coaches that the dichotomy between like, okay, I, I want to help this person. I want to elicit change. And they need to change, but we can't do this complete 180 where we just take them and we just do too much change. We're the point where it's like they can't comprehend. So it's like building upon that foundation. But then also it's like, hey, okay, if you're not, you know, drinking water, let's drink some water. Like, let's move a little more. And then they're like, what am I paying you for? Like, I, you know, I'm paying for this huge program. So that, that's also the part where it's like, man, that's like, how do you, how do you find that balance between it's like, okay, well, we're not trying to overwhelm you, but we do need to start here. And then we can make some other bigger level changes. That is, that is a tough one. But, and you know, a lot of clients, like the, the age old question, like, so when are we going to make changes or like, when's the next thing going to happen? Or like, are things going on the timeline as we expected? Right. And everybody hates when I'm like, well, you know, like, (laughs) but it really is this thing that it's like a week by week thing. And we can only take things in these stepwise patterns. And if you drink your water and you sleep and you get your steps, then guess what? Next week, we might be able to do this. But if you come back to me again and next week's a shit show again, (laughs) how are we going to actually diet, right? And now there is something to be said about kind of living in this weird limbo, right? Which is very um, hard for a lot of people, right? Especially when they're kind of in that mindset of like, 
I want to hit a really hard goal. This isn't hard enough. So we do have to make sure that we are challenging people enough. It can't be so easy that they're not doing, like they feel like they're underwhelmed, so to speak, right? Um, so it is about finding that kind of happy medium of everything. Um, but that's also when we can start to think about things that are kind of outside of the the norm, you know, with what we're doing, like, okay, hey, let's focus on like really being intentional behind your training sessions. Um, okay, say you're struggling with mindless eating, like, why don't we, you know, journal about this or sit down with this or remove this from your environment, like whatever it might be. And they might still be small things, quote unquote. Um, but we're, there's something that somebody can like proverbially check the box on and say, okay, if you do these four things this week, then we'll be able to move forward. But until that we've, till we've done that, then we're not gonna be able to move forward. And then people will start to respond. Not everybody, right? Um, not everybody, because they still, some people still think that by hiring a coach, like all of a sudden all their food's gonna be prepped and it's gonna be made and they're gonna have the training sessions done. And you know, that's again, a mindset of, of some people coming into this. Uh, and that doesn't matter what, what coach you are, that that person is not gonna be, I don't care what method you have. <laughs> Um, yeah. unless, unless you are a, uh, a personal chef and unless you like live with the person, you know what I mean? Where you like cook their food, you grocery shop, you do their dishes, you drive them to the gym. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there's literally, it's just not feasible. Um, unless that, you know, and, and there's some people who of course could afford that. So if that's what you're looking for, there, there is a service for everybody, but, um, for most people, <laughs> there's still going to be this level where they there's that disconnect like that intention behavior gap right that's what that's called um where you have this intention of i want to be this person i want to have these results but then there's this gap between what your behaviors are demonstrating and we obviously want to narrow that but at some point the client still has to to do that we, we could literally pr provide every single thing to the client and they still have to be the ones who are doing it mm -hmm. Man, I have so much. Um, I'm I love this stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't you? Know, I, I was like, you know, it'd be so great to like go back to be like in like a philosopher and like you know just hang out I and like sit in I, Greece. And just, I think like, that's what we're becoming, honestly. Fitness <laughs> um, <laughs> <Fitness> philosophers. <laughs> it's like this is all this is all we talk about. But uh, <laughs> I think on that note, with the um with the clients who are kind of like unintentionally rushing the process because they're not trying to be that way. Usually like they're usually like anxious and they're asking like, when are these changes happening? What are we doing next? And they're, they are just in their head and they're anxious. And I think a big part of, of being able to be successful in a fitness journey that also alleviates a lot of that anxiety. And like, I can't speak for like actual diagnosable anxiety, but like just feeling worry and like apprehension around like what's next, what's next, what's next. It's just like being okay with and open to letting go of control of the process. Because like when you're hiring a coach, I think what people don't realize is that they are letting go of some level of control over exactly how this is being run right it's not it's no longer on your timeline your body's going to respond exactly how you make it because you push it into the ground it's like you're collaborating with someone and you're you're sharing that control over the process and i think that's something that people don't really realize is they because because we also want them to know that they are in control of their actions and they have agency over their life. That's very important. <laughs> Some people don't realize that, but the anxiety stems from like a, I feel like I need to control 
the timeline, what's next and all of this. So they're asking, they're asking, but that in and of itself is taking away from their ability to be present in what they need to do right then and there. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And again, this is a pattern that's been for probably the past six months of my life. Like the word awareness has been really at the forefront of everything. Um, it's a really great book. If you guys are interested in reading that, it's called Awareness. Um, I highly recommend it. It's it's very all over the place, but I think you guys would both like it. Uh, if you guys are enjoying this conversation, you would probably enjoy that. I, again, I would not have been ready to read a book like that a few years ago, but I was yeah. now. Um, anyways, so this idea of awareness and being present. And I feel like we all hear this. And a lot of times it can have this overtone of like pop psychology, just feel good, be present in the moment, but people aren't really understanding what that means. And everything is like on this continuum, right? Where we're thinking about, okay, being present, having awareness, um, but also like we have this agency and this control over certain things. So you have to be able to say, okay, what are the things that I can control in my life? What are the things that I can make sure that I'm doing on a daily basis that I know make me feel good or better, or at least not worse, right? At some point. And then you have to say, okay, I need to be open to the outcome and the timeline um, because the more that you say, like, it's got to happen by this day, the the chances are a lot of times we will mentally kind of create these more hurdles for ourselves for whatever reason, you know what I mean? So it's about being diligent and rigid in some aspects, you know what I mean? Being really structured in some aspects, but then also allowing that timeline to flow um, and having a general gist, right? Like, again, as a coach, I'm not just gonna be like, whenever we get there, we do like, <laughs> obviously like there's a little more to it than that right but you know the week-to-week -week anxiety like you were describing of like when are we gonna make changes when are, when are things gonna happen when it's that is not helping your body at all <laughs> make any progress and the most progress that i've seen in my life and the most progress that my clients have seen in their lives generally happen when they are controlling the things that are in their control on a daily basis and then they are being open to whatever is happening and that timeline of how it is evolving. Um, mm -hmm. And again, this is not to say that we can't have timelines, we can't have goals. I work with competitors, I work with performance athletes, I work with people who have events that they're getting ready for. Like, obviously, those things have deadlines, you know. Um, but the idea of that kind of week to week mini anxiety over the changes really isn't helping you. It's only it's, it's not serving you at all. And, and I want to circle back to something that you said earlier, and I can't remember when that was. Um, <clears throat> but this idea of like, if you only have this goal in front of you, like you are going to always fail. Because if you, you can't, if you can't do something without this, like, large looming thing, like about to punch you in the face, then you're not ever going to be able to not be on that roller coaster. And that doesn't mean that you can't always have goals that you're achieving because I'm a very big believer in having that as things that are anchoring us, you know what I mean? But if I were to say like, oh, if I don't have another degree that I'm searching for or that I'm working towards, then I'm, I'm going to stop learning, right? Like that would be a terrible way to go about life. Oh, if I don't have a competition in front of me, I can't control my eating that's a terrible way to have a relationship with food. You know, if I don't have this race set up, I'm not going to be active, but right. Like there, there can't always be something, you know, again, we can bake constant progression into our lives, 
And it's this, again, it's like this continuum of like striving and pursuit, but also recognizing like content, contentedness in that like present moment, which is this really hard thing to conceptualize and explain until you've felt that. I know people are probably like, what the, what is girl on about right now? But (laughs) I think if, I think if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, because there is a very big difference of being in pursuit of a goal because you're interested in the goal, but also being content with yourself in the moment versus seeking a goal because you're running away from something or you're scared of something other, some other thing happening or feeling like you don't have control over it unless you have this goal. Those are two very different things and I've lived both of those lives and they feel very different in virtually every sense. Yeah. Well, I feel like, um, the anchor itself is, is the identity that you have, um, and like, I can personally speak to feeling that kind of, I described it the other day as peace, um, not with fitness, uh, that part, I'm kind of just mainly just content and not working towards really any big goals at the moment. <laughs> um, but with, with business, I found that I was in kind of a chasing mindset for a really long time with that because there was just a lot of growth happening and it was awesome. And I was like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And then recently I kind of settled into this, like, I am so happy with where I am and I know that I'm going to get to where I want to go, but like, I'm not in a rush to get there, but at the same time, I'm doing everything I can to get there, but without the pressure. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to like, I feel like that sense of peace, it's like the cliche that describes like, love yourself as you are. And that doesn't, you know, make it wrong for you to have goals, you know, to move forward or to change. Um, It's like that cliche put into probably better words. And like the feeling itself is like, you hear that phrase all the time, but you don't know what it actually feels like until you've kind of reached that. Um, So yeah, that's, that's been like a huge shift in my life very, very recently. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think there is a different sense of, of peace that comes with that because there's a, there's a difference of striving and pursuing for the sake of doing it because you want to grow versus doing it for this outcome that you feel like you need to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, those again, feel very different when you're in that moment. So it's kind of like the same thing can go back to, this can be personal stuff this can be business stuff this can be mindset this can be health related it doesn't really matter like this can look the same for anything you know and obviously when we're talking about coaching clients like we're coaching the whole person right like we're we are talking to clients about what they're doing like with their relationships and their careers and their family and like everything you know what i mean so it all is intertwined and i think a lot of people Um, I don't know if it's, again, the people I just, I know personally, but I feel like this is like, there's like this very big collective, like to, to use like a phrase that's probably out of, that means a lot of things, but there's a collective awakening. It seems like of people who are feeling this way, you know what I mean? And it's very interesting to see, but I think that this is about like figuring out like actual growth for the sake of growth and wanting to improve yourself for that reason. And not just for whatever accolade or whatever you think needs to happen. Um, and that does not mean that you can't chase those things because those things can be happening simultaneously, but just in a different way. And I think we've all known people, um, who 
are older and what we would consider probably to be successful, you know, whether monetarily or otherwise. And I think we both know types of people who fall into both of those camps, right? Who you can tell are only doing things because of they need to check that next box, you know, or they need to feed that ego or whatever it might be. Um, or there's people who are doing it purely because like that is how they are wired and they are trying to really grow for the sake of growing and like for their purpose. So, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to unpack. <laughs> it's like, there's just so much to it. Right. And it's like, I don't know what the hell's going on with everybody that I know, but I'm like, this is just like with a lot of clients, with people in my circle, close friends, tangential friends, you know, like, it's just like, it just seems to be a thing. And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, but I feel like this is very common right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a huge, a huge part of it. Um, Christina, did you need to sign off? I can like wrap us up at, to finish us out. Yeah, I need to sign off, but I was like, man, we could either end here or we could have another two hour podcast. Like, and I'll, I, love I'll how just... <laughs> I don't think we covered anything on the list of topics, maybe like two of them, but I'm oh, so we kind of did. Okay. I'm like, did. Why am I like this? I'm so sorry. Like a no. tactical guide on not answering questions that are supposed to be answered. <laughs> Well, no, it, and it's so funny because I was like, oh man, like I'll just have my meeting and I'll come back and I'll just pick back in where we are. But it's funny because I'm I'm thinking again, when it comes back to like certain clients, like I have some clients that are just like, just give me the tactical things, right? Like that's all that I want. Like that's what I came here for. And maybe you're not open to thinking about those higher level questions or why are you asking about how my you know relationship is or how work is going when I hired you for like health and fitness, um, or like, I don't know, we gave a business mentor who was like, why do you want to reach this monetary goal? And to sit there and think like, huh, I don't really know. Cause I think that that's the uncomfortable aspect is like thinking about your behaviors or thinking about change rather than just kind of like, here's the plan. And I just do it. Cause I'm on autopilot, whatever it is, whatever, if it's the fitness, if it's business, whatever. So I think that sometimes maybe that's why we like the tactical, tactical things Cause it's like, I don't know, you just, maybe you're just, you just feel busy and you're not having to think about your actions and why you're doing things. So. Yeah. Oh, know, absolutely. Just, that's a, yeah. that's a really, that's a really great point. Um, and I think that kind of summarizes a lot of this and that's why it's like, you have to be in that headspace to do that. Um, because you really have, it's just a completely different type of energy and mindset and intentionality when you're approaching questions in that sense um and I don't think that everybody at every point in their life needs to be thinking of, about things like this at all times because trust me it's exhausting um and there are there is <laughs> god um the amount of mental energy that like my brain burns just thinking about things and I'm like this would be so nice to like not do this sometimes but um I think that you know there is a time and a place for everything right and it's not to say that there's a fault for sometimes just being like hey what am I going to do Okay. Yeah. But we can't do that. The, the goal is to not do that, I guess, forever would be more of the, the closing remark on that statement for me. Like we can, there is a time and a place for that. And sometimes it's just about putting your head down and executing, you know, like when there's so much there, because let's say again, coming back to the client situation with, you know, what we're typically coach people on with, you know, nutrition and habits and training and all that, like that, that goal, there could be so many other things going on in life, right. To where it's like, you know what? We just need to just execute on these things. We don't really need to think. We just need to kind of 
kind of do. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that is what allows them to move forward. And then other times it's like, you know what? Everything's kind of kind of smooth sailing, you know, as, as well as it can be in that area of my life. And now I really want to dive into this stuff with how I view myself and my relationship with food and all of that. Doing all those things concurrently is really exhausting and really tough. So there is a time and a place for everything. And I think that the whole idea of coaching is to be able to guide people through those different phases as needed. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be this overt thing that we're like, hey, now we're in this new, no, it's just like, hey, do this this week. Okay. Or, hey, why don't we peel this back? Can we journal about this this week? You know, so sometimes it's like comes down to like the actual coaching language that you use based on what's going on in someone's life as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely, and I'm sure you do lean more on the side that most people just don't ever make that space to think about any of that in their life. And then like, that's where this awakening happens when they hire a coach. They're like, oh my God, I'm seeing myself for the first time. That's like the typical trend that I see, but you're right. There is absolutely um, a time and a place to execute. I'm thinking of someone in particular who like, we have these conversations all the time. My favorite check-in of the week. I'm like, yeah, let's talk philosophy, right? <laughs> um, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. We all then, have those clients. <laughs> yeah, and then something came up with like life and and I was like, hey, just like do the, do the non-negotiables, no conversations this week. Like, let's just, let's put our head down at work. And I think you're absolutely right in that. Um, before we wrap up, I want to circle back to one more thing that, um, <laughs> that we were talking about with, you mentioned, uh, man, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but you've, you've mentioned this twice in this episode about how people tend to, you know, create obstacles for themselves and almost like put things up in their own way. Um, and I will trade you a book recommendation because I've been talking about this. Uh, listeners of the Barbell Lifestyle are probably sick of me mentioning this book at this point, <laughs> but have you read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks? No. Okay. So basically the concept behind this is he talks about what's called the upper limit problem or upper limit theorem, which is essentially where we have a certain amount of good and abundance and joy and love that we allow ourselves in this life. And when we pass that threshold, we can't emotionally, physically tolerate it. So we create things to sabotage ourselves and come back down to what yeah. we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so the awareness of that threshold is the only way that we can actually raise it. Um, and we have to actively practice being aware of when we are self-sabotaging so that we can allow more good and more abundance and more happiness into our life. And for a lot of people, it's like, that's the cycle that they're in of like, they, they, so tangible example of this, because I know everyone who's listened to this podcast has heard me say that before tangible example. I haven't quite done that yet. You have a weight loss goal. You lose the weight. You feel great. You're super happy with how your body looks and everything, but deep, deep, deep down, you don't feel worthy of being that way. So that is your upper limit problem is your self-worth. Therefore, your actions subconsciously will start to align with that and you will self-sabotage to the point where you've gained weight back or something else in your life will go completely awry and you basically just are trading off problems rather than actually solving any of them. Um, usually it'll result, the simplest form is just the yo-yo dieting cycle of gaining, losing the same weight over and over again. But sometimes it's like, awesome, 
body looks great. Now my relationship's a shithole. Like <laughs> it's all, all of the time it just switches. So, um, so I think you would probably really love that book. I, it absolutely changed my life, um, reading through that. So, um, yeah. let me know what you think. <laughs> no, I'm super excited. I love, I love books right now. I've developed this new, um, we'll call it a toxic trait, but I've developed this new trait. <laughs> uh, I'm doing this program right now called 75 hard. And if anybody oh, yeah. doesn't know what it is, it's, um, one of the things is, is reading 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day. And I love reading, but you know, we always make excuses as to why we can't do things. So I wanted to do this program as kind of a reminder, like, no, you can do these things, like stop being lazy. Like you just need to execute sometimes. Um, so anyways, I have been reading and I, I love reading. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, but I've developed this new thing where I start reading a lot of books at once. It's very weird. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't know, but they're all very different. So I'm like, Oh God, I can't, I can't add, I can't add another one. Cause I'm like, I gotta, I gotta finish the four that I've started. <laughs> um, but once that, once those are done, then I will get to this one. Um, and oh. that's actually something that Ed Milet, um, he's, he's like a business mindset type coach. Yeah. He's a business owner and he also does a lot of mindset and motivational type stuff. And he uses the analogy of a thermostat. And I think it's a really great representation of that thermostat, like so, of that, what you were talking about. So let's say that you believe yourself to be at 80 degrees for all intents and purposes, whatever that is. And if you get below that, you get 75, you're like, all right, like I should probably bring myself back up because it's a little low. But if you get up to 85 or 90 and you don't change that belief in yourself that you're no longer an 80 degreeer, you're going to bring yourself back down, right? And I think what I've come to the conclusion, and this is not going to be very eloquently said, but I'll try my best because I recognize this in myself with a lot of other patterns as well, not with, not with food, so to speak, because I've gotten past that. Um, but with some other areas of my life and I realized, well, what is the crux of all of this? If you don't, if you're so afraid of rejection, right. And failing at whatever it is, if you create these issues, then it can never really be like you failed because you tried your hardest. Right. Um, like if you try 110% and you fail, well, then that just means that you failed again, like hypothetical speaking, um, because it was you and your efforts. But if you roadblock yourself, you're keeping yourself down and that's, that feels a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of putting yourself out there all the way and then actually falling short, um so again that wasn't super eloquent so I hopefully that came across right but I got it I've just found that that is something that I have a pattern that I found myself in when I really sit and think about it um and also clients as well right and it takes a lot of sitting with yourself and your thoughts to reflect on those kinds of things and really allowing those thoughts to come up and really being like you know, why are you like this? But like actually really sitting and thinking about that. Um, and it's not easy to do. And that's only the work. It doesn't matter who your coach is, who your therapist is, what books you, it doesn't matter what you do. You still have to do all that. Um, I personally believe, and I would think that you would agree to that hiring a great coach, hiring a mentor, potentially hiring a therapist, like all these things are going to expedite the process. And I would absolutely do it, right? I'm a coach, you're a coach. We both recommend, we both recommend these kinds of services. Um, we both have coaches and mentors in our lives, right? Like, like these things are, are staples, right? That we believe in. Um, but you can't use hiring someone to sublimate the work that you need to do. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, 
as well as that, this will be the last thing I hope maybe. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I've never been someone who's identified with the fear of failure all so much. I know that most mm. of our clients do. Um, but here's a question I had to wrestle That's with nice. for a while. <laughs> yeah. I've always just kind of been like, like semi-ignorant level of self-belief where I just kind of mm. like do shit and then like, you know, deal with yeah. the consequences after, but I hit kind of a roadblock and this is what I was wrestling with the, my own upper limit problem. And I was like, what is this? What is this problem? Why am I holding myself back? And I had to actually wrestle with the question. Am I actually not scared of failure, but am I scared of success? Mm-hmm. Because what does that mean? Who mm-hmm. do I have to become in order to do that? What connotations does that version of myself have? Uh, what beliefs do I hold around that? Um, and so I think not only do we hold ourselves down because of the fear of failure, uh, because it feels like a easier cushion to fall on, but also we hold ourselves back because of the fear of success. Because again, we only allow ourselves a certain amount of good in our life. Um, and I found myself doing this over and over and over and over again, and I'm catching it and I'm like, God damn it, this is everywhere. Uh, when you really look for like, how am I kind of bringing myself back down when I'm starting to rise up. Um, and so you can also ask yourself that, like, are you f- afraid of failure? Are you afraid of success? Like, what are you afraid of? Yeah. And I think it's very warranted to sit down and think of that and not just surface level stuff, you know, like really getting to the crux of it. And this is not something you're going to sit down one day and journal about, no. figure it out. Like this it's is so a long. <laughs> multi-year process, you know? And again, people hear that, oh, fuck, I... <laughs> sorry. (laughs) Like, I I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat it. You know, it's just like anything worth having, you know, these are multi-year things, multi-year investments, but the way that I look at it as, all right, if I don't start investing in this now, how much longer is the compounded effects of me living this previous way going to like, how long is this going to take for me to get over, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and ultimately it's like, okay, if I don't do this, then what happens? right? Like you have to think of it in, in, in those kinds of terms too. So um, yeah. yeah, fear of failure, fear of rejection, unworthiness, fear of success. Like there are so many different reasons as to why people hold themselves back. Um, and, you know, if you work with someone who is a great coach, a lot of times they can help you unravel that by prompting the right questions and, and discussions. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully somebody listening to this sits down and really actually thinks about that as well. You know, like whenever I share stuff like this, Um, I always try to make it from a place of like, I've been through this too. I've helped people through this too. This is not like a judgment, you know, um, I never wanted to sound like preachy or judgy by any means. Cause like, we're all just figuring our own shit out, you know? Um, so hopefully this has prompted people to really sit and think about this because every single person I know deals with some of these issues on a different level, you know, and some kind of self-limiting or upper limit, you know, belief, So I love that. And I can't wait to read the book. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's so hard to like, okay, I want to do all this thinking, like, how do I get that out? Um, You can start with (laughs) journal, you can sit there and just ponder in silence. But like, I've really found myself that having people that are open to having these conversations and being able to, to verbally just like bounce it off of somebody is really helpful. Um, but it's, it's hard to find friends like that. Like myself, I've got a whole circle of people like that. And I know you do too, but like the average 
person is just not going to be, they're going to like hear this and be like, okay, not following, but cool. Like, (laughs) so if you do have someone in your life who's able to like sit with you, challenge your thoughts in a productive way, lean into that relationship because it is the most valuable thing. Yeah. I would say getting, getting those thoughts out is crucial. And for me, I've always been someone who thinks a lot in, you know, internally. And um, so for me being able, but I can very much busy myself to where I don't allow myself to think about things. Um, So for me, really learning how to like put a pause on stuff and, um, you know, to journal, to go for walks, to allow my thoughts to drift, to allow myself to not think right? Like I think a lot of times too, we get so hyper productive. Like I gotta, I have a drive. I gotta listen to a podcast. I gotta do Otherwise I'm, I'm a feel like the other day, literally Sunday, I drove to, um, Orlando, which is about a two hour drive depends hit or miss with traffic. You know, the drive there was an hour and a half to drive back was almost three, but it's fine. So the drive there, I was listening to like meditative type music and just letting my like thoughts go and like try to conceptualize things. And right on the drive home, it was very late. I had a long day and I was like, well, I, should put, I should put on something. And I was like, no, just, it's okay to not think sometimes too. It's okay to just put on music that you're just going to kind of vibe to, and then also do that, you know? So I think that sometimes it's also just about letting your brain rest, so to speak. And that doesn't mean distracting yourself with like things that are filling it with more information, right? Like not a ton of inputs. That doesn't mean you need to scroll on your phone for five hours because you don't want to think about your problems. But sometimes it's okay to just like not think either and just put on a playlist and just kind of vibe out. So I think that for people who are hyper productive, we we feel guilty about that sometimes, right? Like yeah. if I went for a walk and I didn't listen to something for 45 minutes, then this was pointless. <laughs> you know, like I think a lot of times we can we can get like that. Um so I just wanted to end that note and I'll stop my rambles yeah no, and also good. float tanks i can't talk i can't talk you talk about this book all the time i can't talk enough about float tanks because literally it has been the best thing for someone like me and my brain so you guys have those in your area which a lot of places do definitely recommend it hmm. yeah no i've definitely gotten um input fatigue uh and had to deal with that myself as well so um kind of making the time for that is is usually the hardest part or mm-hmm. i mean just prioritizing not doing something productive. Um, but we'll, we'll wrap it up because I know we could talk for hours and hours, but, um, man, I don't normally do this. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle podcast. You can find me at Marissa Roy fitness and Christina is at Christy Lynn fit. Um, and Lauren, if you just want to remind everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Um, my Instagram handle is at Lauren Conlin, L-A-U-R-I-N. And then our website is teamlocofit.com for all of our coaching and consulting services uh, and pretty much everything you can find on there, our app, our podcast, et cetera. So just check out the website and my Instagram and you'll find it. Oh my gosh. Your app wasn't, your app hadn't launched yet when we last. Oh yeah. So that's that's a thing. That's a thing. Uh, Very happy about that. We wanted something that was not coaching, but you know, basically the next best thing to coaching. Right. And so we wanted something that would be for people who are either starting on their journey or kind of transitioning out of coaching. So that's effectively what the app is for. We don't do our coaching on the app, um, like check-ins and stuff like that. It's a completely different type of thing. So, um, macros, meal plans, shopping lists, mental health resources, training programs, all that is on there. So that is on our site as well, but that is the redefined healthy app. 
Love it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's a great update. Alrighty. Well then we'll wrap it up and thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.